Hey gang, welcome back to K-Men Don't Know Shit. Wow, I'm really excited about this, but I want to start off by saying that this episode um, is brought to you by my friends over at InPrint. InPrint.com is where you go, you know, get in touch with them. And uh, they uh, print, man, like band merch. I mean, honestly, there's so many musicians uh, watching this. I know a lot of my friends are in bands and stuff like that. They make great band merch. In fact, this t-shirt right here, yay! I was made at InPrint. Um, call them up. You can just go to InPrint.com. Um, their phone number's on there. Call them up or send them an email and uh, tell them K-Man sent you and uh, just see what's what and see if you guys uh, you know, can make some cool shit together. All right. Well, on this episode and why I'm so excited is I get to see an old friend of mine, Mr. Andrew Harris. Now, Andrew is a very interesting guy, and I met him because uh, we did a tour. Uh, the Planet Smashers released, uh, released sorry, um, their Too Much Information album as we released our Stand With The Youth album. And uh, so we did a double launch tour together, and Andrew came on the road with us and did sound and was just such a pleasure to be with. I mean, he's you know the type of guy that if you're sitting in the front seat of the van and he's sitting next to you, you can talk for hours. Um... Yeah, it, 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 he's just uh, awesome. He does jujitsu. He studied physics. I uh, studied uh, sound. Does live sound everywhere. Um, he's just an all-around great guy, and uh, I just can't wait to do this. So uh, let's get it on. Oh. Came in no no shit. My brother, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing you all right. You could do it with opening a beer can. Actually, you could do the the. You're right. Why didn't I think of I that? I know. Cheers. Cheers. Colt forty fives, and we got zigzags over there. Yeah, <laughs> anything goes. It's my house. That's the beauty of this show. Yeah. You know, it's not a radio thing. There's nobody telling us what to do. There's no rules. You know, <laughs> just shooting the shit. Mm. How you been, Andrew Harris? I've been very well. Um, it's uh, it's been a journey over the past few months, and uh, I'm I'm pretty pleased with where things are going. How about you? Right on. Doing great. It's uh, cool to see you here in Montreal because. I've seen you in pretty much every other city in Canada. <laughs> For you, those of you that don't know, um, Andrew came on tour with uh, my band, came on the 45s, and our other stomp band, uh, the Planet Smashers. And Andrew did sound for that tour. And uh, we had a blast and went all the way out to Victoria or Vancouver Island. Yeah, we, we went to Victoria. Went to Victoria. Yeah, went to Victoria, got messed up in Victoria, and made our way back. <laughs> so basically, but this is the first time I've ever seen you in Montreal. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I used to come here all the time with the Johnstones, and and before that, Robin Black, Robin Black, Robin Black. I didn't know you worked with him. Oh yeah, okay. for like four years, I um, I did uh, sound for them, and uh, they were very uh, happy days. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I had sure a, they I were had a real good time with those guys. Well, it's cool because like I really like just jumping in on stuff like this. Basically, you've been doing live sound on the road mm. for years, mm -hmm. which I mean. It's a whole other game. I mean, I, I know lots of sound men that work in one specific venue, all right, where they come in, it's their setup from the night before. <clears throat> they know every inch of that place. Right. It blows my mind how you come into a venue that sometimes you've never been to, have to figure it out on the fly and just go because just that, I mean, we all know that. Well, we don't all know, but <laughs> some of us know that every system is just radically com different, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it helps to have a methodology. Mm -hmm. It helps to like kind of have a thing where you can, if you can get it to what we would consider flat, like quote unquote flat, mm -hmm. uh, and you have the volume that you need out of the system, then you can just basically mix as though 
you know, you, you mix anywhere else. Yeah. The trouble is, first of all, trying to get a lot of a lot of speakers to exhibit what we would consider a flat response, especially older speakers. Mm-hmm. The speaker technology has come a long way in the past 20 years. Right. Um, it, it's um, like, I think you remember uh, Vancouver, right? Remember? <laughs> I, I remember well, breaking remember, down on the highway and showing up like at yeah, the yeah. last second. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> I, had a, I had a really easy night in Vancouver. The uh-huh. PA was just like, I, I barely had to do anything. Where was that it. show again? Was that at the rickshaw? Capital? No, Capital. Yeah, yeah. That, at Capital. That's right. Um, the following night, in, and then their crew were very good. Mm-hmm. The, 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 oh, absolutely. the in-house crew were very good. The following night uh, in Victoria... In-house crew were still very good, mm-hmm. um, but they were working with much older speakers, and so trying to get that to flat and loud, uh, it, it ended up being a battle of volume. And right, right. I felt Matt, Matt's parents were there. I felt so bad. They're in their seventies or eighties. Sounded were, great to me, bro. It was, too, it was way too loud, but it was that was my only choice yeah. because, like, you can use, like until you have to get it loud enough so it's clear and. Uh, with with the older speakers, it, that was like a lot louder than you need to get it with mm-hmm. the newer speakers. So, but um, but that's it. Eh? Like uh, th- you know, in I don't know how many main cities there are in Canada that we play in and stuff like that. But I mean, yes, some places you know are more cutting edge, more modern and stuff like that, uh, l- like the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that seems like it's far from the norm. You know, yeah. depending on the venues they're playing, of course. Well, and the other thing too is the smaller the venue and the and the uh, like, like the lower the ceiling, the smaller the venue, the the more you can get away with with mm-hmm. using like equipment that's like a little bit less than you would maybe want. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would say is that managing personalities is very difficult sometimes. Um, in a lot of cases, I walk in and the in-house tech is uh, is um, very helpful and knowledgeable and mm-hmm. uh, also not threatened by the fact that I'm there. I was going to ask you, do you, because, I mean, isn't it kind of like cooking in somebody else's house? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, how, how do they greet like uh, you? I mean, often what happens is the local sound man will probably do the local band sound. Yeah. Except I know sometimes you just say, oh, I'll just do it the whole night and stuff like that. Sometimes that's to my advantage. Sometimes I talk them into it because, right. uh, like, for instance, last time we were in uh, London, Ontario, mm-hmm. I was with uh, Planet Smashers and Boyds. Yeah. Um, and it, the original plan was we were just going to do Planet Smashers, but uh, we didn't get into the venue in time to do a sound check. Right. Um, and so Boyds, uh, like, I was going to be doing Planet Smashers on the fly, no sound mm-hmm. check. And so I basically went to um, the guys in Boyd's and said, listen, I'm going to take care of you guys tonight because it's going to give me an opportunity to, like, rough in a mix, right? The Boyd's became the sound check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good thing they're good. I love that. By the way, the Boyd's have a brand new album out. Check it out. They just released the first single off it. Go check it. Hello, Chai. How are you doing? Chai likes the Boyd's as well. They're in Montreal next week, by the way. That's right. They're playing in Ottawa and Montreal yeah. next week. Um, unfortunately, I am here this week uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I would have loved to go to that show. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Uh, are, are you in, in Toronto next weekend? I am. Cool, cool. So we'll see you at the Bovine Sex yeah. Club. Do you want me to do sound? Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't oh. know if that's possible. I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody there, but yeah. <laughs> Dude, how many times do we walk in and I go, yeah, I'm doing sound. Right, right. That's exactly. The way yeah. it is. Hey, I'll get um, you a free sandwich and a beer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 
One thing I love about playing at the Bovine in Toronto is just a couple of buildings down, there's Pat's Jamaican uh, restaurant. Ever go to that one? that one? Oh, man. My, okay, so my Spicy thing at the Bovine... that place. My thing at the Bovine was uh, I used to work at the Big Bop, which was yeah, across yeah. the street. Didn't they have three three floors? Yes, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so there was like plenty of work at the Big Bop. And then mm-hmm. I also worked at um, Healy's. Which was yeah. in the basement of the Paddock Tavern. That's Jeff Healy's place, right? It was. Yeah. It was, right, sir. And God rest his soul. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Incredible. I got a great story about him after. I, I also have plenty <laughs> I, of stories about him. Woohoo! Jeff. But um, so there used to be a place called um, Shwarma Queen. Yes. Um, that was across the street from the Big Bop, and I ate there almost every single night. <laughs> I've eaten there. Yeah. I have. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Does it still exist? I don't think it's any. I don't think it's huh? there anymore. So I'm going back over nine years when I said I, I ate there. Yeah, I know because yeah, yeah. I was in a different band at that point. <laughs> the, um, I think, the, okay, so this is, this is the fucking, <laughs> this is the zero hour for Toronto. I, uh-huh. There's a Starbucks, I believe, at that corner that I think is going to be torn down so they can build condos. How do you... <sighs> How do you get to a point where it's you need the Starbucks to build your condo? Like, but well, it's something. I mean, we're bouncing around subjects completely, and I love mm-hmm. it. That's my style as well. But when it, I wonder if people think of this, and I hope somebody does. All these cool neighborhoods, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in Montreal, Vancouver, for that reason, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know they're driving the prices up in a neighborhood. All, mm-hmm. You know, over a couple of years, it's separating the rich and the poor. Next thing, no condos are uh, coming up, and then you know they're selling these condos which to me seems like the dumbest idea in the world to ever buy a condo because you you, you don't lo- own the land well and you don't have freedom if you share it with other people like right. when it comes time to fix your roof yeah. well it's voted in we're doing it now do you have yeah, that yeah. money ready to go at that point on right. somebody else's agenda and stuff like that condos are the stupidest thing but and, here's my point check this out okay so they start putting up condos in, in a neighborhood but where does it stop when the neighborhood is not cool anymore, they've turned down all the good shit, all yeah. the cool mom and pop shops for stuff that you can't get elsewhere that made that place cool to begin with. Then condos start and they start and they start. And we haven't really gotten to the end. But what happens when there's no more space and it's all condo? There's nothing else left there. There's nothing to do but go to work and go home to your condo. And I've been saying that for years. Right. Yeah. 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 Condos are the biggest bullshit lie in the world. Sorry to all you condo owners there, but it's bullshit. Man, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, not that I, if somebody gave me a condo, I wouldn't turn it down. Of course, I'd have wicked parties in somebody else's condo, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it's uh, part of the part of the problem, too, is the, the cost of living is increasing and people's wages aren't. Yeah, well, that's it. We've, we've already discussed that, I yeah, think, yeah. But. and I mean, like, uh. When I'm not playing music, I, I work uh, for the community. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm making $1 more an hour than I made 16 years ago at another job in the community as well. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that gas prices have only went up, you know, yeah, that yeah, percentage yeah. or food bills. I mean, the quality of living. I mean, even when people like I, I talk to a lot of youth and they're like, man, I put so much money on my my, my iPhone or whatever. Right. You know, whereas back in the day, it was like $19 from Bill uh, Bell Landline. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we had so much more money and you went to your local bar for five dollar pictures so that you could all afford to be social right right and everybody would hang out together those days are long freaking gone man here's the thing though Uh, a buddy of mine runs the um uh student center at the university of calgary Mm -hmm. he's saying that 
kids don't go out anymore. No, they kids don't. Kids stay home. They play video games. They don't drink anymore. And it's they... not even just by choice. No. They can't like, afford it. That's, it. that's just, you know, the... the uh, How the much choices? is a fucking McHappy meal right now? I have no idea. When I say or whatever trio is, we're talking... Like it, 10 bucks or something? I think that's even going back a few years ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think it's over $12. Uh, you know, the Johnstones used to give me a, give me shit because uh, we would go to... Uh, I would ins- I would try and encourage them to go to Wendy's because that's my favorite. <laughs> the Square Burger food. joint. Yeah. It's my favorite fast food hamburger. Um, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be taking donations from Wendy's right. and your baked potato, man. Oh, my God. That's sexy. Yeah. But I would never get the combo mm-hmm. because I don't like pop. Right. And I don't like French fries. Well, especially. So I just get the burger and they'd be like, what the fuck? The, the combo is like $3 more. I'm like, yeah, but it's th- the, I, that's $3 for stuff I don't want. Like, exactly. <laughs> and, and what kills me with that too is like, you know, those uh, drinks, the soft drinks that you get out of the fountains. Mm. How much do you think they're paying per drink out of that oh, fountain? Cents? I think even, I think you're being more than generous. I bet mm. you it's probably more around four to eight. Mm. I, I think it's something like that. You know what I mean? It's insane. It, I, I don't like the way the, this shit's going uh, at all, you know, because like I work with young teenagers when I'm not on the road. Yeah. They do not, are not having the experiences that I grew up with, which is okay, generation to generation, we all say that, but they don't seem to be having as much fun. No. You know, everything, terrible. the biggest differences I'm seeing is uh, these days, it's not a question of morals, right and wrong. It's what's legal and not legal. Right. And that's dangerous. Right. That's like, I mean, the Holocaust was legal and hiding Jews was illegal. Mm-hmm. Of course, right? we just like, jumped from zero to 10 million. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I, no, absolutely. That's, that's the most extreme yep. case. But like there, there's all kinds of laws that are on the books that yeah. I would consider amoral or immoral. Absolutely. But I mean, like we're becoming such a law driven society. And I, the whole I, I, I literally heard kids tell their parents, well, it's legal, so it's OK. Or this is not legal, so mm-hmm. I'll do it, and I'm I'm a badass. Right. <laughs> Nobody yeah, ever yeah, just yeah. says I won't do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not in the vocabulary. But all that to say that I've noticed the change, right. and I mean, like like say it's you know cell phones, video games, hanging hanging out, or like if they're on welfare, they can't afford places it's on so welfare and stuff to like be that. Poor? Oh my god, yeah, like, because like poor people like. Poor people, but but like yeah, in people, general, yeah. in general, people who are uh, disadvantaged financially mm-hmm. are working their asses off Absolutely. at minimum wage yeah. just to afford the the rent on their apartment. They and they're and they're working hours that are like way beyond jobs you know, that you probably lose money by going to the job. Two, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Two like or three jobs at a time. Yeah, yeah. You don't have time to go to the grocery store because you're working two, three mm-hmm. jobs at a time because you don't, you can't turn down the yeah. work. And because you're not getting a paycheck ahead, you're right. eating food that's more expensive so and you're shitty. Going to McDonald's. And maybe you're... you're walking or paying public transport. Yeah. Maybe, maybe because you know you grew up in this area, you smoke cigarettes or whatever. And yeah, right. it's it's easy to be preaching and say, well, they shouldn't do that. That, but you know what? You are what you grow into. And also, you if know? you get hooked on something, it's Fuck easy yeah, to man. be preachy about having absolutely hooked on something. Yeah. But like, once you're hooked on it, mm-hmm. guess what? You're hooked on yeah. it. Yeah. But my like, point is, like, <laughs> somebody that you know, a youth of today, let's say an 18 year old person that maybe even stayed in foster care before that and stuff like that. Okay. There's twelve dollars a day, maybe give or take, on cigarettes, and that's mm. just what it, in his reality that's nece- uh, necessity. necessity. So I'm not going to say it's not. That's right. part of his budget. 
the food is part of the budget. He might not even have a place to stay. Maybe right. staying in shelters. Maybe he has an apartment that he can't afford. Maybe there are four people in a zero-bedroom apartment, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. sharing it. So we're not talking fun- functional kitchen. They're basically. selling, they're selling queen-size bunk beds now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Queen-size bunk beds. You yeah. know what that means? That means there's couples living in the same room. Mm-hmm. Top shelf, bottom shelf. Yeah, like, and I've seen so so many uh, youth uh, today that also like you know they end up in relationships that they don't even want to necessarily be in mm. because it's a matter of survival. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I mean? it, it really is. It's a. Uh, it's incredible. I could go on and on and on for days about this, and that episode is coming. I'm going to be having a friend on here to talk just all about this because it's driving me insane, and it's driving me insane the attitude of the baby boomers towards this generation oh, yeah. as well. Like, you know, oh, in our day, we'd. it's not the same game. No. It really is not. And the other thing is, if, you, if you're saying, well, in my day, um, this and that, uh, and I turned out fine, mm-hmm. And what you're hoping is that the other people will struggle. You, you didn't turn out fine. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's well said. I, I like that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Yeah. You know, uh, for sure. But but it, it, it's really something. But let me ask you, like, uh, getting back to to live sound. Okay. Because sorry. I, I, no, don't be sorry. I love Divergence. it. I, I love it. I love it. And my job, <laughs> me, the most organized person in the world, mm. to bring people back on track. Said no one. No K man ever said that. Mm. Um, but yeah, what got you into doing live sound? Like, how, how did this happen? Like, did so, you study in this? Did you just have yeah, the contacts? So, so the story is that I wanted to be a rock star when I was a teenager. Hell yeah. And I have very little talent. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would challenge that statement, but um, I would, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> I, I attempted to teach myself to play the guitar, and mm-hmm. I, I did not practice effectively. I didn't take lessons. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't follow a method i didn't own a tuner <laughs> i tuned to the guitar i had i never played along with anything right so right. i kind of failed at the idea of trying to be you know a teenage rock star yeah um but my father had a friend who owned a recording studio it was uh sound sensations i think it was called in toronto in mississauga okay yeah. um What's his name? Lawrence Sykes, I think. I like I the think name. That was his name. <laughs> um, and uh, weirdly, uh, a guitar player that w- I'm very good friends with worked at his studio, um, and I didn't know him until years and years later. But the thing is, uh, Lawrence lived in the building that my father was a security guard in, and he found out that I was interested in rock and roll and whatever. And mm-hmm. he would bring me professional sound magazines. He would bring professional sound magazines to give to my father to bring to me. Yeah. And I got into... Um, For these uh, iPad and uh, I, iPhone uh, people, that's like uh, ink on paper. <laughs> <laughs> with advertisements. Right, with advertisements. Um, um, yeah. Uh, and I... Uh, so I would devour these professional sound magazines, and I uh, I got into the idea of well, I could be a recording engineer, I could be a record producer. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, as my fallback, my fallback. That's hilarious. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I saw uh, probably the greatest concert I've ever seen in my life. It Ooh. was. Well, that's what we want to know. What was it? It was nineteen ninety. Uh-huh. It was uh, Popolite itself, Marilyn Manson, Reverend Horton Heat, Nine Inch Nails, and Soundgarden. 
Jesus. What a stacked lineup. Right? I mean, just Reverend Horton Heat by himself, by the way, is the best one in the bunch, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my favorite was Nine Inch Nails. And yeah. I had never heard their music before. Okay. But then uh, I saw them, and I was just like, this is fucking in phenomenal yeah. right well when they came out it was a whole thing right i oh, mean yeah. th- this did not exist really you could make a couple of arguments for a couple other people but, yeah, yeah like, like the, the only like, only big concert i'd seen before was like metallica and danzig and yeah, yeah. Was just like, <laughs> okay so there's some guys in jeans on stage and they're dancing around <laughs> whatever exactly. and, but then like they're uh, like the nine inch nails is trent reznor has has like a gibson les paul by the headstock and is like smashing the fuck out of a <laughs> keyboard it's like what the fuck am i watching right now how old uh, are you how old am I? No, how old were you? Oh, I was 16, 15. And that's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I would like, I definitely want to be doing something live music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then so I, I but I had, I had this production thing. I wanted to be a record producer and blah, blah, blah. And so I went to a, uh, a school, a I had a, a co-op at uh, a place in Toronto that you, I don't think is there anymore called Save Bad Technology. Okay. Um, they sold mainly keyboards and recording equipment, synthesizers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I quit one day because the one of the guys uh, trying to be a tough guy, he was having a bad day or whatever, he told me uh, – uh, if I ever talked to him that way again, I, I was like, he was a purchaser, and I told mm-hmm. him you need to purchase more of this thing. And he's like, you ever tell me what to do again? I'm gonna drag you out in the alley and kick the shit out of you. And I was like, okay, well I'm 17 years old. I'm not gonna be sticking around. <laughs> what for a this. dick! Who is this uh, fucker? <laughs> it's Chris Seldon, and I haven't Sorry, seen bro. him in years. But, um, but anyway, uh, so I quit. I, I was just like, I didn't tell anybody. That's why mm-hmm. I just kind of went. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I'm yeah. not coming back here. Um, Older people bullying young people, man. I got no tolerance for that shit. <laughs> well, but anyway, uh, one of the thing, one of the one of the cool things that happened as a result of doing that co-op is two of the people that had worked there had gone to the Harris Institute. No relation. Uh, I was going. Well, I, I don't know what the Harris Institute is. It's it's like a. Do you know what Trebus? Yes, and okay. that is a school for music. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is it playing or recording? Recording. Re- recording. Yeah. Yeah. So like production and management, yeah. and whatever. Okay. So, uh, John Harris, the uh, my my father's name is also John Harris. No relation. Um, <laughs> he started this school because he worked at Trebus and decided that Trebus was not worth it, and so started the Harris Institute. Okay. And. Um, I, I was there for a year and three months, I think, and it was good. Um, and I met a guy called Bo Cairo. Bo did sound for the Cowboy Junkies in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, was like the host tech at least. Where are they Palace. from, Cowboy Junkies? I don't know. I think they're from Toronto. They are a Canadian band, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely a Canadian band. But, but Bo has done sound for like everyone. Okay. I think he's kind of semi-retired now. He still teaches, but he, mm-hmm. he doesn't really do a lot of gigs. His back's kind of fucked, so right. uh, so he, you know, gigs require you to lift a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. But if you're looking for the best sound guy in the world, he's the guy. He's the guy. And and you, you I, learned with him. Well, so he he is very kind at saying um, that he took a liking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I tell the story more more like I just wouldn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> when you want to do and something, like, that's the way, man. <laughs> and, and and he was the he was the prof who uh, welcomed people to come to uh, shows. He worked just like four or five nights a week mm-hmm. uh, doing live sound, and he was just like, as part of your requirement for the course, you had to come to two gigs, but you were welcome to come to as many as you wanted. Right. So right. I just started coming to every fucking night. That's it. Um, and uh, so I sat beside him at Holy Joe's, which was upstairs from the Reverb. Mm-hmm. I sat beside him. Holy Joe's, Reverb, Big Bop, all one building. That's right. Does that still exist? No. Man, I remember playing there now. so long ago. Holy shit. It's a shit. furniture store now. Yeah. And you know what? Dominic, cathedral, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, Big Bop Cathedral. The, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, Noel, when he started booking, changed the name to Cathedral because he booked mainly metal bands. And he right, 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 right. Yeah. Anyway. That makes sense. Um, I, I get it. But Dominic, who owned that whole building and the business, I would say is the best club owner in the history of the city of Toronto. I did a... I did a rave. Like this is one example of mm-hmm. Dominic being fucking awesome. But um, I did a rave there in the late '90s, maybe the early 2000s. I can't remember. <laughs> but it was like a, it, it was like a 12-hour shift or something, and I agreed to do it for $300 or something, right? Yeah. And in the night, or, uh, it was more. Which a young man should do. Right. <laughs> I, I, and the, the air conditioning was broken. I was sitting in, at the board in my underwear. And Dominic comes over and he's like, you got the right idea, pal. That's it, <laughs> I man. thought I was in trouble, right? Yeah. I was just like, it's too hot. Yeah, it's right? all survival. Get through the game. Um, and uh, end of the night, he hands me $500. And I went, no, Dom, it was 300 And he went, no, no, we had a really good night. Nice. Like, yeah, people don't do that. Right. Right? That's but amazing. Dom did. And Dom owns the gas, wor- gas not gas works. Um, Gaslight? Uh, what the fuck is it called? It's out by Dunda. No. Is it Gaslight? No. No, Sneaky it's, way, it's way out uh, in Etobicoke. Um, it's the prison-themed bar? Uh, oh, wait. I, I, I think I know. You know what, what I'm talking, talking about, about right? I think I played there. Yeah, yeah, they have an electric chair. Uh, it's, oh, it's, a, it's by Dundas West Station. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's two uh, floors, and upstairs they have the jail bars, and I, I think there's an electric chair somewhere in there. Yeah. Fuck, anyway. that's going to bug me. I don't want to pull my phone out and look it up <laughs> no, right no, now. No, no. But, but anyway, you can put a link on the... Yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he... Um, since absolutely not going to do it. You should totally do it. <laughs> I should totally um, do it. <laughs> the, the the cool thing about that new place that he's got is, first of all, he's got a beach volleyball pit in the in the back. Every place should have that. Well, yeah, you can only do that because it's in Etobicoke. But the other thing is, he's got parking. He's got parking for days, so he can pull in yeah. uh, people who would normally not go to. And and he's been booking mainly like cover bands and mm-hmm. like. Uh, tribute bands and like bands from back the hard the luck no no hard luck's downtown i just been, I, I just remember getting really fucked up in that parking lot that's why i thought of that place yeah yeah <laughs> Fuck, it's gonna bug me that i can't remember what it's called Ugh, anyway. yeah um but anyway uh and it's the same pa that used to be in the reverb oh. i i remember helping to move that pa across town like <laughs> we loaded it into a truck and we drove it across town we loaded it into the uh the new venue yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah i've been there a few times with a couple of bands and you know so game back to school though sorry 
Okay, when you were in school studying yeah. for, for sound, did you complete it? Uh, the, I did the complete course? it, but the thing that I found yeah. is that I do not have the patience to do studio stuff. Yeah, it it takes an ungodly amount of patience. I can totally to, understand that to sit and listen to the same fucking thing over and over and over yeah. and over again, the same four bars, and <laughs> just go. Should I change that by like one dB? Like, I, I don't have that, right? Yeah. So live really appealed to me because it. It's uh, the chaos effect too, right? Like, yeah, I mean, like, and the, and the other thing that's nice about live, I was thinking about this. I thought you were probably going to ask me this, so I I was thinking about what I'm going to say about this. The nice thing about live sound, especially when I started doing live sound, uh-huh. is it was analog. You didn't record it unless somebody asked you to. And if you did record it, it was a board tape. So it didn't really express what it sounded like. Absolutely. I've heard board tapes. So there was no record of me having sucked at it. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Which brings us back to the youth of today. We got away with so much shit because not everything was on camera. Oh, shit. Did I just shoot myself in the foot again? No, no, no. No, no, no. So, so, like, now... uh, I think I've gotten better. Okay. Right? I don't think I've actually fully sucked. Sucked. Well, right? look, I, I've done probably twenty shows with you mm-hmm. as sound. I, I'm just telling that number out. I don't yeah. know how many uh, about that. And there's a few things that I liked about working with you. Mm. One was you're never stressed out in situations that I would have been. Mm. It was like I got this, guys. And there is no wrong question or anything like that. And mm. you didn't fucking get mad at me when I'd steal your duct tape. Those <laughs> are those are things I looked to in a sound man uh, <laughs> and you know <laughs> it's all about the duct tape on the road right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. but um, like just coming in there and just you know i think not only does skill come into this and this is why i'm happy to have you on the podcast is because it's not just about skill it's also personality i mean here you are on the road with what 11 other cowboys yeah. you know just fucking out of control boys everywhere mm-hmm. running around and somebody has to say okay we need to do this or this is going on and you have that in your personality and I don't think that even if you're a great engineer in any sense that I don't think it's made, you know, not everybody is made for the road life as well that comes with it. Right. You know what I mean? Because I get the like that comes with experience and that comes with um, that comes with mentorship. Like mm. I got that from Bo. Right. I Like 100%. I would love to meet him. You should. Yeah. yeah. You should have Bo on the podcast. Unfortunately, he lives in Toronto, so you would have to take this whole fucking setup and go to Toronto. <laughs> right, right. There's no fucking way he's coming to Montreal. <laughs> this <laughs> show should not right be, <laughs> this show should really be called Came as Fucking Lazy and that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, but it sounds super interesting, yeah. He's, he's a very interesting dude. Uh, he did University for Anthropology. Really? And then uh, he, you ever heard of the band called the Diodes? Yes, I have actually. He yeah. was, he was the band. He was the, that was his first uh, band that he hooked up with mm-hmm. was the Diodes, uh, and he used to do sound at their bar uh, called the Crash and Burn Club in Toronto. I've heard of that place. Um, yeah, I kind of like. At one point, I had a little bit of money, and I was just like, I wonder if I could open a bar and like, call it the Crash and Burn. And get if you say bar one more time, something's going to happen. Say bar. <laughs> say bar. Bar. Hey, grab that. That? No, that. Oh. Cheers. Oh, cheers. All Any flasks you see on this show are full. Oh, all right. <laughs> see, I got this from a present from Stu. That was best man. It was why I mean, made my own K-Man flask. Wow. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Hmm. And you can uh, thank Sean Ryan for that whiskey. Do you know Sean Ryan? 
He's the bass player in the Mahones. A really good friend of mine. He was on this show last. Oh, um, I don't actually. The only person that I know in the Mahones is uh, Katie, and she doesn't really yeah. play with them anymore. No, that's right. Uh, Katie's wonderful, though. Yeah. Yeah, I was with uh, Finney the other day, uh, too, right before they left for a tour. Yeah. Uh, great, great oh, bunch. Fuck, I want to work for the Creep Show. The Creep I've Show, yeah, man. I've been to work for Creep Show for years. I'll tell you why you want to work for the Creep Show. Because they're all great people. There's yeah. not one sour grape in that group. I love them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, But the, the other thing is they work all the time. There is so that. Like <laughs> <laughs> They'll give you more than a beer and a sandwich, too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, no, I've, I've talked to them, uh, and I've run into them on my corporate uh, sound stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've talked to Finney about it a little bit, but, you know, uh, it's he's busy. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. That's one thing that I really like about people that are really in this business. and Because everybody's hanging out and crossing paths all the time, mm-hmm. and everybody will offer you something. Or mm-hmm. you will offer them something, right? Right. But what I love about the the lifers, I call them, the people mm-hmm. that are in this, this is you know just a part of their life and they continue their life, is that there's never any hard feelings about saying, oh, no, I can't, or I'm yeah, doing something yeah, else. Yeah. Because we all understand that. That's, you know, you can't do everything. Sometimes you can afford things. Sometimes you can't. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? There's that cool. attitude. That's how you know, like, you know, aside from like, you know, you play bovine, you get somebody messaging, I, I film my live shows. We'll charge you 500. I'm like, thank you, but no thank you. You yeah, know what I mean? That yeah, just yeah. happened today, by the way. Probably really nice people, but the lifers know that that that's not how we're going to work. No. <laughs> like the, the lifers will call you and say, listen, um, I want to, f- I'll film your show. Can you get me in without paying cover? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah, Because man. like at this level, and this is something that I've, uh, I've noticed, like, I am not going to disclose details about mm-hmm. this, but there was a band that I worked for mm-hmm. where I noticed that at the level they were at, they were basically making guarantees as an opener band. Yeah. And a lot of money was going to their management. Yeah. And that happens a lot too. I was like, but most managers that I know don't do that. Most managers, when they're at this level, are banking on them getting bigger. Again, they always snatch them up when they're young or starting out and say you yeah. need a manager when you really don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, it, it helps to have a crew of people helping you mm-hmm. and you're all going in the same direction. Yeah, yeah but, I, the, you know, the, again, there's something... I, I I wonder if there's way more managers in Toronto than anywhere else in Canada. And not, would, not, and I, it wouldn't, it I'd wouldn't like to say me. per capita as well because I don't want to say just, yeah, Toronto's bigger yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, why. Yeah. But there's something in the culture compared to other cities. Like, I don't know bands with managers really in a lot of other cities. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Usually you have your crew of people that help you and everybody brings a skill to the table and you all kind of move together, you know, on one thing. You know, it, it's interesting, but it's a few times like I've been approached by managers in mm. Toronto and stuff and I can do this for you and this for you and this for you. And, and what I'm is like, it that they're telling you I'm like, you I, I'm busy, man. I can't have this conversation. I got to go because I got another gig or I got this coming on. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's really funny, you know? But uh, I, I mean, I get it that especially when you're starting out uh, Django's just going to town on that bone man <laughs> that's his job he's, he's doing dog stuff that's, that's <laughs> to Django to Django yeah man yay is your beer empty yeah I'm running out oh you should probably rent the beer fridge okay do you want one mm-hmm. okay no stay with your bone do dog stuff Django come here buddy come here come here uh Coronas yes sir okay yeah man no, but do you have a lighter or anything like that? 
Uh, do you know the the drummer in uh, Gob? I can't. Re- I think his name was Gabe actually. In Gob? Yeah. G- Gabe and Gob. Gabe and Gob. <laughs> Shout out to Gabe and Gob. I think that it was. I think that was his name. I can't remember, but he used to do it with a drumstick. Yeah, I I, I usually have all kinds of stuff kicking around here. Wait a minute. Usually I just have a lighter in my pocket. You know, it's like, mm. like, like my flip up with that. And here it is. Do you want to do a demo about how to do this so that people... How to do this? Yeah. All right. You take your bottle. Take it. It's just like a trigger finger, but in your left hand or right if you are left-handed. You hold it like a trigger. Get the lighter under there. This is your pivot right on here. And one motion pop. Let's see if I... There you go. Because nobody ever gets that right. All right. You want it? Yeah, I got it. See, he has a different technique. (laughs) Well, that's embarrassing. Can you just do this for me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sa- sadly, I've become a professional. It's been, it's been a long time since I had to do this. So there you go. Thank man. you, sir. Cheers. Cheers. Boom. So good to have you here. What are you, yeah. what are you doing in Montreal right now? So um, I, I kind of half know the answer, but I don't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I work for a, a company in Toronto that does audiovisual for corporate. Okay. Right. That's how I make my actual living. Like yeah, yeah. When I when I go on tour with with you guys or you mean on vacation whoever, with us? On, on, a, on, a, on a semi-paid vacation. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, it's it's like it pays that pays enough that I don't lose money by doing mm-hmm. it, yeah. but I don't actually make any money. It's like it, I have to plan for it. Absolutely. The company absolutely. that I one of the companies that I work for um, is doing a thing for a credit card company at. Uh, a, an event venue here. It's three spots throughout mm-hmm. Canada, and uh, so my uh, my job was to organize the labor and uh, design for this multi. I should just show you right the the display. Yeah. Um, for their. You'll have to send me the picture after. Yes, I will. Um, and it's actually a video. Because, oh, okay, cool. Because it's it incorporates multiple video screens mm-hmm. and just like, what's uh, the name of the production? Uh, I, the uh, I, I don't know. You're if fired. I, should, <laughs> I, I don't know if I should tell you. The, the, oh, okay, yeah, the, don't the client don't. But, uh, but this is what it is: is uh, all those TVs are different types of TV, and uh, it all. It, Basically, I'm like, looking at at eight different TVs, and uh, they're all split screen, so that there's uh, kind of they they become one image, but they're not square. They're yeah, that looks really cool, man. Yeah. So so they do these. So so that's one of the things that I uh-huh. mean, like I've um, I, I work as like a, a production manager kind right. of thing for them, and and uh, doing sound for yeah. corporate events and video do, and stuff. Do you so. think? Okay, you have two. You, you just named it. You have these two skills. One is you do live sound, mm. and you're talking about being production manager. Mm. You, out of like, I've known lots of production people. I've known mm. lots of soundmen, but it's rare that I see somebody combine those two strengths of their personality and knowledge in mm. one. But that's exactly what I was getting at before when I was saying that you know you're able to you know get these cowboys in yeah, line yeah. and stuff like that. But that's your production manager side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, so you all that is- say though, you also drive and safely. Yeah, I, I like that. You're the perfect guy to go on the road, man. Well, I don't drink before the show is because I gotta be, I gotta have my wits about me. For I hate when you know. I see sound men drink. That goes out to all you sound men, uh, especially in smaller venues. The as soon as I'm done a sound check and I see a sound man like not just sipping a beer, but like heavy drinking or mm-hmm. or drinking multiple 
Listen, alcohol and being a sound man are not the best combination. And honestly, like, dude, I, 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 I didn't have that philosophy. Well, I did. Mm-hmm. Bo gave me that philosophy, and I started to ignore it in my mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, to my detriment. Yeah, it, it da- damaged my credibility. It damaged my reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like it got so boring being right. a sound guy because it was just so easy, mm-hmm. right? But. Uh, but it's not easy for everybody. It's just it's just that I had so much, you know, behind me that yeah. so many and and that's like Bo pulled me aside at one point. And was like you disrespect me because you took everything that I taught you and now you're just making a joke of it, yeah. right? See, see, in in my crew or being on the road, there's two things I learned or or two types that I don't want to see drinking. Mm. It's a my drummer mm. and b my soundman. It's right. my job to get fucked up, right? You know, but I need both those because, like, as a guitar player, I need my drummer to keep me in check if I'm getting all wily. And I need my sound man to fucking help me out if I'm getting all wily. So basically, see how that all revolves around me? I'm getting all wily. (laughs) So um, the one thing that I would say is the the one thing that changed my perspective on it is Mm -hmm. the number of times when shit that was not my responsibility went sideways on a gig yeah and the question was asked well how many beers did andrew have ah they used it as the escape as soon as they say you drank it was automatically his fault exactly yeah yeah yeah. right so so it was like okay that's that's one thing yeah okay i got you digital pages going back and forth between pages on a digital mixer is so fucking confusing that it's just it's impossible for me to get fucked up and try and do it. Okay, here's the question for you, okay. just based on that. When you're doing live sound, usually there's a mo- in a bigger venue, there's yep. a monitor guy doing monitor sound, and yep. there's a front of the house uh, guy. You've done both roles, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. You're most often a front of the house guy, I think. Well, for you guys, yeah, okay. but I, I do monitors okay. as well. So now I'm gonna ask you the same question, but in both roles. Analog or digital front of the house and analog or digital as a monitor man, which do you prefer? Because I I have a feeling about something here. I know this is an unpopular opinion. Yes. But I prefer digital in both worlds. Uh, Okay, cool. um, Because uh, I know, like, I remember, first of all, if I have to set it up, Mm -hmm. I remember huffing like a, a. uh, like a 40 channel or 50 channel uh, Midas mixer up onto a, a scaffold. Yeah. It weighs like a thousand pounds and there's eight guys on this fucking <laughs> right? thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to do the 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 EQ rack and then you have to do mm-hmm. the processing rack and then you have to do like your your playback rack and the, it's like um, I regularly walk around with like my front of house under my arm now <laughs> well, that's it right did, did you see why i loaded that question though about the separating the monitor yeah, 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 and, yeah. and the front no i Beca- do because when you're a monitor guy like i like i i could understand why somebody might be you know liking digital more or analog mm-hmm. more in, in as front house yeah. you know what i mean and that's probably debatable like said mm-hmm. some people might hate that answer okay fair enough but as far as a uh, monitor mix guy i definitely like digital more for Definitely. the reason that and they can walk why? around on stage and fucking check what the sound is well, as they're changing it. Well, that that because I don't actually with own the iPads and stuff. I don't you know own I mean? an iPad, yeah. but uh, but I, I do recognize Apple. That, can you sponsor him? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I cheap bastards. I do recognize the value in doing that. Um, mm-hmm. The th- the reason that I, for monitors I like digital is that I get somebody's monitor mix happening. I hit save. 
Yeah. And then I the next band comes on. Exactly. And I make adjustments and I hit save. Mm-hmm. And they each have their own scene. And then when Do Salmon stick to it though once it's saved? Because I will I take know. blame as a musician for one thing. What's that? Okay. All musicians always blame the sound man. But how many musicians after sound check get back on and their settings are not the same anymore, right? No, no. Especially uh, if there's multiple bands sharing amps. Well, that's that, but also how many musicians get back on stage and they've been drinking? Because your high frequency response goes down as you get more down drunk. Down neck. <laughs> right? Yep. So, but that, that's why I don't want sound but, men to drink. But it's the job of the person doing monitors to be responsive. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I call I, I pointed out the Capitol uh, yeah, Theater right. guys. Yeah, it's a, ca- a Capitol Ballroom, right? The Capitol Ballroom. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. And, and the guys in Victoria were also very good on monitors, mm-hmm. is that they were very responsive and they, they were. had no attitude. Yeah. So it's just like... I always have stage. great experiences in Edmonton, uh, uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Victoria. Mm-hmm. I always have great, great experiences with sound there. Right. East Coast, touch and go. Oh Montreal in general, it's a different way of doing shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a story about the East Coast, man. Oh, hit they, me. I got, so, <laughs> we better fucking charge up the batteries because we could do this one for a while. East Coast, first, talk to me. The first tour I ever got hired for, uh-huh. the first big, like the first out of town tour. Like, yeah. I was doing Robin Black stuff, but it was like. Yeah. But, like you're talking more than a week on the road. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was Sky Sweetnam, who is currently in Sumo Psycho. Okay, yep. Um, Who's the guitar player in Sumo Psycho? Matt Drake. Matt Drake. Yeah. I saw, he he said hi on like social media or, or whatever the other day. And he he used to rap, I think, back in the day. He if had I, a band? He did all, but like, like really dark. Like he looked like death with yeah, like yeah, a yeah, big yeah. knife and stuff. And from the moment I met that guy, I love that guy. Yeah. He's awesome, man. That's funny. Yeah, we yeah, got a yeah. friend in common. Yeah, yeah. So Matt Drake, fucking keep on Matt keeping Drake. on, brother. Boom. Um, so anyway, Sky uh, got this tour opening up for Sean Desmond. I want to say, is he the guy who had the dancing and the and he'd lip syncing and whatever? I can't remember. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the yeah. guy with chlamydia that gave it to a whole bunch of girls that passed it on to a bunch of our friends. That checks out. Yeah, um, my grandfather. <laughs> my grandfather also said, "Never let the truth get in the way of a good story." Right. Thanks, Grandpa. Um, <laughs> No, no, no! I don't actually, I don't actually know Sean. So Neither that, do I, that, by the way. That is in no way factual. Um, <laughs> you can uh, bleed the rock that I own in the backyard for as much as you want. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the so the first show of that tour was at Harbor Station in St. John. Mm-hmm. Do you know Harbor Station? I know about the 10-year-old kid that was dirt all over his face, followed our band as we were walking over a little bridge right by there, and he's a little rough, missing a tooth in the front. Little kid, right? in his little BMX bike that just passed us as we were walking on the sidewalk. Mm. Turned his bike to block us. Now, we're talking kid that's not four feet tall here. Right. We're talking three and a half, said, you guys pay taxes? What? <laughs> so we all busted out laughing. This kid said, "Go on, kid. We're gonna go get some French fries if you want to come." That's how. Hey, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I, I felt for. Th- I actually respected that kid, man. He was doing what he had to do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But man, four four big guys. That's hilarious. Yeah. But that's all I know about that area. That's so Harbor Station is a hockey arena. Okay. Uh, it's made entirely of concrete, and um. I you know you know when you do a sound check you mm-hmm. basically start at kick drum and you get to vocals right yeah I was actually gonna a- ask well why don't we do that now okay okay here's the 
question or slash I want to learn something. Mm. Now I've done it a million times, yes, mm -hmm. but I want it from your point of view. Mm -hmm. Band shows up. Now they're a new band, but they're exploding and they're sounding good and they're talented, but they're not used to doing too many live shows. How does the process go? Um, I say, okay, guys, let's uh, get your stuff on the stage. Mm -hmm. And um, generally, I'll hear, you know, guitars like being strummed and whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I if I find that the uh, th that I think the volume is going to be a problem, mm -hmm. I'll plant the seed and just kind of go, hey, so just so you know, um, this club is like it's not a problem with larger stages. Yeah, but. Um, with with a smaller club, you know, like mm -hmm. if you if your volume's out of control, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, right. Just so you know, guys, um, your fans are gonna want to hear the vocals. Mm -hmm. If your if your volume on your guitar amp is so loud that I can't get the vocals over the top without it feeding back, because amps today can overpower PA's. Well, um, the other thing is a sixty watt guitar amp in a small club is a. a it's a force to be reckoned with <laughs> um and it doesn't matter that it's only 60 watts yeah right so um and so usually people are receptive and whatever and mm -hmm. uh i i will usually try and sidewash amps yes um it doesn't always work out um sometimes because of stage space it just doesn't work out but mm -hmm. um the advantage there is that uh, I mean, we're not crickets. We don't have ears in the back of our legs. So <laughs> having the amp right behind us doesn't really make sense. Um, but having it over here, now you can all of a sudden you can hear yeah. yourself. I, I'm so happy you say that. I like space between my amp and me. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's shooting right at the side of your head so you can hear yeah. everything, right? Um, Did you know that as a guitar player, I kind of break that rule. I'm often asked if I want to raise my amp and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I do like it on the floor. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I, my favorite is the the fenders with the with the kickout legs. Yeah, see, I have those. I have the fender supersonic all, yeah, yeah, all yeah, tube. Yeah. With remember when we couldn't find which tubes were uh, broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah with yeah. Dave Cooper too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh, Dave. but yeah, I have a hard time. Uh, I like I like to hear off access uh, yeah. instead of straight as a laser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'll usually do because. Um, the drummer usually takes the most amount of time. Yeah. So that's the only reason they start. Makes sense though. He owns the most mics. Yeah. So so he uh, no, he takes the most amount of time to set up. Yes, so and that gone as well. By yeah. the time the drummer's set up. Yeah. So that's the only reason I, I start with drums. Okay. I, I Smart. Mean, traditionally people start with drums and I went through a phase where I was trying to start with vocals mm -hmm. and it annoyed a lot of people. Yeah. So <laughs> So yeah. so I start with drums. Okay. Right? Get that—that's the norm. Get get a drum sound, whatever, yeah. right? But um, it is a. Uh, it I see why you might have wanted to start with vocals. I understand mm -hmm. both uh, both sides of the story. And to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in um, you know, if you're not playing the bell center or whatever, uh, there there is a ceiling to how the vocals can be. So sometimes in smaller places or where there's smaller PA's, if you're starting with drums and bass and guitars and stuff like that, and then want to put your vocals on top of it after. Sometimes there's not space for that vocal to to well, lie on top, right? And and that's the thing is like uh, I will do the studio guy thing where I'll get every instrument sounding like I think it should sound. Mm -hmm. So drums, bass, guitars, keys, horns, yeah, whatever, right? Yeah. And as each person is doing their 
um, they're, they're, you know, if, if they're performers who uh, have a, an instrument as well as sing, mm-hmm. I'll have them like check their vocal in the monitor to make yeah. sure that they can hear themselves well enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I pull all the faders down. Yeah. Just leave the vocals up. Then you can ease them back in. Yeah. And then I have them try a song. Yeah. And then I start with kick drum mm-hmm. and bass. It's, and it's my biggest it. problem at shows now. Uh, I find like uh, because uh, systems are better and you can push bass a lot more than in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and bass that doesn't sound like a laser beam. Um, mm-hmm. That often the vocals are buried in music and I find that that's happening a lot in Earth and Loud which is okay if that's what you're looking for but every once in a while you do want a vocalist to shine or you yeah, want yeah, yeah. like you want their their vocal to be bouncing on top of the mix yeah, yeah. right and the music is there to support the vocals in some right. musical situations yeah you know how I got really good at um, mixing vocals listen to your broadcast news oh really on headphones yeah, sit and listen to broadcast news on headphones, and you'll listen to what a human they got voice the best. should sound like. Exactly, I right? was just gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. You know, it, it, it's funny. My uh, pet peeve with sound men a lot, um, and, and I don't know if there's. Can I guess is that they don't listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker! It's ninety percent of the job. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> no, but but uh, there's two things I've learned over the years that I like for for me personally. One is before any miking or EQing or anything mm. going through the system, this is the big step that I find almost everybody misses. Mm. I want my band's gear on stage, set up, and before you're mixing, I want to play for. Even if it's thirty seconds, yeah. Before any monitors or mains are on, yeah. Because what always happens, this is where soundmen also have uh, trouble, is that um, it's usually done one at a time and not and together is at the end, right? Right. Now, what happens is I like to have as much of a natural mix yeah. as possible. I can't tell how loud my guitar needs to be vis-a-vis the drums or the bass yeah, yeah, yeah. or the horns for that matter, you know, mm-hmm. until we play. You know, everybody's like, okay, uh, give me your guitar. Uh, okay, but uh, I don't know yet how loud I want my amplifier. Yeah, I don't know how loud it needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. And I find there's never room for that step. Yeah, and I'm talking about a 30 seconds. I I just need to hit my guitar a few times with the bass and drum riding before yeah, yeah, yeah. anything's in a speaker. That's not that that's not out of line. And uh, honestly, it might be something that I build into my no. my process. Is... Because that would change my life. And I've learned one other thing, especially in larger venues, because there, there's a huge, massive difference between small venue, medium venue, and large venue. Mm. The, the, the it's so massive. For instance, on massive venues, I've learned that. When they're like, what do you want in your monitor? Because everything is very distant on a large stage. Yeah. Um, you don't of, know. You don't know. Well, I, but this is where I've, what I've learned, though, is that it, let's say I'm the second band on or a band has already done a sound check for me. Right. I find they'll have over in one monitor, you'll have uh, uh, instrument ABC. Right. In this monitor over here, you'll have DEF a lot because that's what he needed and stuff. Yeah. I've so changed on that. I want everything in my monitor up about one fifth, right? Okay, and then I want to boost some things. Do you know how because I, do I feel that so when I'm disconnected? Doing... I want to hear yeah, my yeah, yeah. music as a whole. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Do you know how I do that when I'm on a festival? When I talk to me, yeah. Is I um, I get the band on stage, mm-hmm. and as we're doing uh, like a sound check or mm-hmm. like a line check, right? Right. I'll I'll say, okay, hold your hand up if you need that in your monitor. 
Yeah. Well, I've seen you. I, I've seen you do and, this. Yeah. And as, okay, I'm on you now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and they'll put their yeah. hand down, whatever. I'll go through, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's probably being louder than they actually need it. They're yeah. probably going to be like, I need less of whatever. Yeah. But we're starting from somewhere. Exactly. As opposed to we're starting from See, silence. That, that's why I'm saying now, I'm like, I want everything just a fraction in yeah. there to start. Yeah. You know, I want that to be my new baseline. You know what I mean? Because I'm trying to bring the music together, not all isolated and separate. Because, I, I, I you know, I've done a, in the last four shows we did, they were all on really big stages. Right. And even if I'm moving from one end of the stage to the other, everything is so isolated. That's like, oh, ba- background vocals super loud here. Okay, drums here yeah, and yeah, bass yeah. over here, like in a, a spatial. It's like, honestly, I, the I amount you move ba- around, you should be on ears, man. Yeah, I know, I know. Fuck, who's dicked off to suck to get ears? I don't know. God damn, find me that dick. I, I honestly, they're not that expensive anymore. No, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like hundred dollars. You, you know, it's funny. You said the amount that I move around. Did you know that until recently, I didn't realize how much I moved around? Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> because I had a talk with a friend of mine right here at this table, and uh, I was talking about how people keep time in music, and I, I've always been my entire body. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm just moving to the rhythm of my band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw a video of us live recently. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I should stop moving so much. You know? No, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, no, right. you should just. Yeah. We should just have a solution but for it's you. It's full right? body motion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that. That's literally like, what it Matt is. Matt is like on his fucking spot. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because he sings well. <laughs> 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 cheers, Matt. Um, cheers, Matt. Yeah. Man. Um, the. Uh, the thing about Matt too, his music has a lot more lyrics than yours does. Yeah, yeah. So it's like every every measure of every bar has something. So he's at that spot. So he can do. I would love edits. to do a challenge to Matt. Is like we view a concert of his and a concert of mine and see who made up lyrics the most. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and who remembered the most lyrics? Man, I'm freestyling half the fucking time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could tell by the girl in the front row mouthing the lyrics better than I know them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, girl. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, you was you. What was the longest tour you've been on? Because I know that you were with the Johnstones for quite a while yeah. on, on the road. We've yeah. just done one tour together, and then you know odd shows here and there. Yeah, yeah. I know you've done uh, tours with other people, but was it with the Johnstones I that you're on the it, I think road? The, the Johnstones. I was because when I was with Robin Black, it was one nighters just mm-hmm. out of town. I would. I had a day job, and I would right, just right. drive out and do. I think Johnstones was the the longest that I was just like separated from the city of Toronto. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was a crazy, crazy set of years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how, how many years? That was four or five years. Four or five years on the road? Yeah. God I, I mean, on and off. Like, uh, Of course. Hey, um, no band is always on the road. Like, yeah. you know, people, like, even I, I, I've caught myself saying that. I've been on the roads for years. Yes, there's time on the road and time yeah, off yeah, the yeah. road, of course. Um, I was having a conversation with Jarek, who's the, the guitar player. Mm-hmm. He's now in, I, re- I remember him. It's been a long time, bro. He's now in uh, F. Scott and the Nighthawks. Mm-hmm. Um, Django nailed that camera. I just realized it now. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just staring right at me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, this video will be a funny one. What the hell? It's just hey, going to be staring shit, straight at me man, while go- I stare at you. Right? He's just going crazy <laughs> on that bone and he nailed the mic stand. I didn't notice it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was having a conversation with, with Jerry and I was going, you know, that, that five years that we were out on the road, um, like, even if I was a very wealthy man, Mm-hmm. Like and I had all the money in the world to pay for all. I those see where you're going, brother. Talk it. Say that word. 
who would I pay? Yeah. Like, how would I get the opportunity? To- what we do is fucking priceless. Right. And anybody that says differently hasn't been on the road Cheers. with us. Oh, yeah. Man. Wait, 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 wait. Ah, Beer and ch- uh, wait, this, then this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. chasers, yeah. chasers. Yeah. Thanks, too, by the way. And, and Sean, cheers. Mm. Uh. That's some special Jameson. It's not the regular one. Yeah, uh, mm. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Sean brought that. Jameson 12? There's a, there's a 12 year age Jameson that's very good. It could be, honestly. I, I don't know. That's one thing I love about having podcasts. Everybody always brings me presents. Right. I love it. I didn't bring I love... you a present. I feel you are now. my present. Uh, Dude, I haven't seen you for a long time. Yeah. It, it's been a while. Too long. Yeah. I, I don't want to cut this off right now because I want to get to the end of the show. Right. Band is on stage. You're sound checking. Okay. You are starting with drums. I do drums. I do bass. I do keys. I do guitars. I do horns. Vocals okay. as we go Time through. Time out. Bass. Mic'd or DI? Sometimes both. I don't always use both when in the mix. Yeah. Most people use DI, right? It's got But bass barrelers like mics. Uh, Why? Well, it used to be mm-hmm. that DIs, you, you had the chance of like buzz and distortion in the top end. Yeah. You can cut the top end off a of DI mm-hmm. if you have a mic in front of the cabinet and you can get the top end out of the mic. Man, I th- I'm so wrong. I thought it was about the low end. No. No, no I... it's just, it, it's it's all about like, um, like, yeah, I mean, uh, like if you, if you put like a high, uh, a low pass filter on the bass channel mm-hmm. and only take everything above like, I don't know, a 2k from the di okay stop okay you said 2k now a lot of musicians talk like they know what it it means and stuff like this usually talk more than they actually know when you're talking 2k what is a frequency for bass normally like let's just give the the listeners like an idea of where where is 2k well get close to the mic sorry (laughs) sound man yeah (laughs) Touche. Um, <laughs> Wait, K-Man wins. <laughs> I don't know if you're 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 definitely old enough to remember collar bars on the television. I think you just called me old, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I remember collar bars on the television. I don't know if your your listeners are old enough to remember collar bars on the television. I don't know if they're old enough to fucking have supper with me either. But I ain't asking that question. Okay, now check it out. So, <sighs> collar bars in the television had a one K tone, one thousand hertz. Okay, right. 2K is double that. Yes. What so, is a hurt? Uh, a hurt is it hurts is a, a, a one cycle per second. Okay. Right. So a thousand cycles per, per second is what color bars sound like. Mm-hmm. Two kilohertz is twice that. Um, because of the way it works out, and I can't remember the music theory behind this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you go up in the uh, frequencies. Yeah. Um, they get close. Uh, you have to go further. They, like four kilohertz and two kilohertz are as close as two kilohertz and one kilohertz, kind of thing. Right. And I, I can't remember what the explanation for that I is. I so regret asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Dude, I was still anyway. thinking about other things already. I, I, already, <laughs> I already did like the teacher's talk and it went lottie done and forgot why I wasn't good in school. Dude, I was thinking, oh, I hear shoveling outside. Then I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the Granada, the bar. That's where he was top. I wonder if I could get out and go have a beer. That's what was going through my head yeah, as you're yeah, talking yeah. about Hertz. Dude, I started saying, whoa, boom. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, your what to what's a frequency for bass? Yeah. Unfortunately, bass is a, is an instrument that spans the frequency spectrum. Oh. So it's like, um, and that's why it takes so much room. Yes. Um, and also why it's kind of challenging to get it to fit into a mix because it does have frequencies that live at uh, like like forty fifty hertz. Mm -hmm. Where but, where does my vocal sit? Your vocals are around one point six, and so is that in any frequencies that the bass uses? Uh, sort of. All right, get out of my house, my house. I yeah, uh, I, I, that, I, that was meant for Frankie, our bass player. No, by the no, way. but I've never <laughs> uh, the Frankie's bass tone is such that I've never had to do anything to it to get your vocal to sit right. I nah, you got it, brother. I do have to do stuff to the sax. Yeah. The sax covers you up, so I okay. have to do a dip. Because like just where my voice sits, yeah. that's where a sax wants to sit. So we have yeah, to play yeah. with it to separate them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. yeah man. Yeah, it's freaking awesome, Andrew. I'm gonna have you back on the show. <laughs> and I'm so happy to see you. It's been too long, my friend. Indeed. I love being on the road with you, and we will do it again. I know this for a fact, and I will see you in Toronto at the Bovine. Ne not this weekend. Coming the one after. On the Friday, I think it's the 20th or 21st, go to Cayman um, and the 45s or go to Cayman 45 on Facebook and it's either the 20th or the uh, 21st at the Bovine Sex Club. Mm. I don't know why it's called that. Uh, Do I don't either. Uh, I... I uh, I know the owner a little bit, yeah. and I don't know why he called it that, but it just dude, it's a great name, and I love the place. It's I like a mini. Like a, I feel like it's a movie reference. I think it's gotta okay. be a movie really? reference. Do you know? Do you know? It's great. Like I, I love the name, and I love the place, and I love the people that work there. I love the look and the sound and the shows that go on there. Mm. Do you know the one thing that's annoying about it though? Hmm. I went to like you know do some social media thing and say hey we're playing in Toronto at the Bovine, and I went to click like you know here's five dollars do an ad saying we're coming to town right yeah. When let me because it said bovine sex club i learned something new, that's a facebook thing or is that a yeah. bovine thing that's not a bovine no no thing. that's a facebook care. thing yeah dude they don't care they name the place <laughs> <laughs> and when we're fucking acting all rock and roll inside their place my yeah. brother cheers i fucking great having you here oh came in no no shit Wow, what an episode. It was so great to hang out with Andrew. Um, I really love sitting down with him. I think in the future what I want to do is have him and Dave Cooper, uh, from the bass player from the Planet Smashers, here together. Because to hear those guys talk and go on and on and on, it's just it's worth it. It's uh, absolutely fantastic, most uh, entertaining. I just want to say thanks again to InPrint, our sponsor here at K-Man Don't Know Shit, and remind you all to hit the subscribe button and that bell thing or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. So uh, stay cool. Peace out, guys.